0: to Unset at Work with your host, Catherine Stagg, Macy, the show where we look into the light and the dark corners of leadership, work and careers. Today's topic touches on a very common theme that I know people find challenging and that's communicating. And that could be challenging at work and at home, right? We're going to be unpacking how we communicate, how it all goes wrong and what we can do about it. I want to start with some research that's really applicable here it's about communication marriages this is the work of doctors julie and john Gottman. they choose american psychologists who have spent their lives researching the signs of successful and loving relationships and from their research they can predict which couples will divorce within five minutes of watching them So they can work out within five minutes who's going to divorce because they know what they look for they've worked out several signs to look out for and they call these signs the four horsemen of the apocalypse and that's what i'm going to share with you in today's episode and so you're not on the wrong podcast the thing is relationships are relationships we've all learned ways of being in relationship and those patterns of behavior that programming is the same whether we're at home with our loved ones or at work with our colleagues so we're using similar strategies so these forms of a helpful communication, understanding how we are being unskillful in communicating or just as applicable in whatever context we find ourselves. This is one of the exercises I do with teams when I'm working with them, is to educate them to understand the patterns that are at play and how they can disrupt them, because it's really powerful to have this sort of knowledge. I've heard many stories of relationships breaking down at work, of colleagues sort of getting to a place where so they had not talk to each other. And if you go back in time, and unpick the relationship dynamics, the toxins, have always been there, present and accounted for. We you know the signs and you know what you're looking for, you'll, just, you'll see how often and how frequently the toxins show up. And so by the end of this episode, you will know how to recognize these toxic patterns of behavior around communication and also be armed with some tools to undo them. And I'm going to suggest that you have an example in your mind as we work through the content here. It's quite a bit of content, so it's going to be helpful if you have something in your mind around some communication that went badly. There it was a really fractious meeting or a hard conversation with a colleague, just have that in mind as a reference point as we go through this. And you can kind of assess some of the aspects against that example that you have in mind. So if you enjoy this podcast, please hit subscribe if you haven't already. And let's get on and meet the first horseman. So the first one is criticism. And this is when you blame a problem on a personality flaw. So, what does this look like? It's like well, you're so thoughtless. When you're always late, you are just rubbish on numbers. Yeah. So words like always and never—they're they're sure signs that you're in the territory of criticism, because the focus is on the person who that person is rather than the behaviour. That's the difference between complaint versus criticism. Complaint is addressing the outcome of the failed action. And that's okay. That's appropriate. But taking a dig at somebody's personality about who they are is not helpful. Think about if you're being criticized, if you are the receiving end of being criticized, you will feel under attack. That's very normal. What happens? We go on the defensive, right? Our barriers go up. And therefore, that's the second horseman of the apocalypse. Defensiveness. It's very natural to go to defensiveness when when you're on the receiving end of criticism, because defensiveness is just another way of blaming. It's another way of saying, it's not me, it's you. You didn't tell me about the meeting. Well, you don't do that either. And it just escalates the conflict. Although it's understandable that you want to be criticized, it just doesn't work. It's not an approach that's going to work. The person who's criticizing you, the person on the attack, is never going to back down or apologize when you go on the defensive. So it's another form of unskillful communication. So we've done two out of four of the horsemen of the apocalypse, right? Do you recognize either of those? I really can relate to defensiveness. I kind of feel it. I feel it in my stomach. And that's always a useful thing. Like, where do you feel it in your body? It's often a useful sign for you. That's what's going on for you. My stomach clinches and I feel small. I actually feel, when I'm in the place de- of being defensive, I feel like something's towering over me. Like I'm the small person in some sort of way. And that's a good way to start coaching myself out of that. We'll get more into the antidotes a little later in this episode. Let's go back to the four horsemen. So we have criticism and defensiveness. And if that goes on, backwards and forwards for a little period of time, the next horseman is going to come into the room and that one's contempt. Now, this is a tough one. This is what Gottman's call... John and Julie Gottman call the sulfuric acid for the relationship. That's a tough one, right? It's And think about what it means to be, to have contempt for someone. It's looking down on your nose of disgust. And it shows up as a, in, in sarcasm, cynicism, name-calling, you know, belittling the other person. And it's the most poisonous of all the horsemen because it conveys disgust, like Condescension—it's the complete loss of respect for that person. The reason why the government's calling it sulfuric acid for the relationship is that this is the one, this is the horseman in particular that they look out for because it predicts the end of a relationship. On top of that, it's not just the end of the relationship. I mean, that's pretty bad as it is. It also results in impacting the other person's immune system. How many infectious illnesses that person has in the next year? So this is staying in contempt is bad, not only for the relationship, but also bad for you as a human being. Finally, after several rounds of criticism and defensiveness and some contempt, the fourth toxin is going to show up and that is stonewalling. Just becoming the stonewall, this zero response, checking out, shutting down, can look like cutting off communication or silent treatment. Refusals to engage. In, in meeting rooms, I often see it in people leaning back on their chair, arms crossed, leaning back, maybe even swinging back on the chair. Doesn't mean everyone doing that is stonewalling, but that's often a possible sign that person is starting to check out, like physically moving their way themselves out of the conversation to the extent that they can because they have to be in the meeting room. And this checking out is about staying safe. It's you know, internally the person's moving to the fight or flight mode and they are flooded. And stonewalling is a coping strategy. It's a way of checking out to the extent that circumstance allows. And if that's what's happening, it's a good time to take a break from the conversation. We'll get onto antidotes shortly. But by now, you've probably got a good sense of which is your preferred go-to. And you might have a different one at home versus work. I tend to be more critical at work and more on the defensive at home. That's okay, just by knowing what this is. We all do this at some point. We all have some sort of pattern. So the goal is not to never have a toxic form of communication. The goal is awareness of your own behavior and taking responsibility. So let's walk through the for, and the antidotes for, to the horseman and what to do when they show up. Remember, none of us are out there intending to be critical or defensive. We go there because we feel powerless. And that's a really important thing to remember here because it's going to help the antidotes that if you understand that these behaviors are symptomatic of the person, you or the other person feeling powerless, what we're looking for here is how do we give you or the other person back some sense of power in the situation? Just think about criticism. Behind criticism is an unmet need. That's an important thing to remember. Behind criticism is an unmet need. So, your job, if you're the one who is criticizing, is to move to what it is that you need. And you do that in the form of using coin as a feedback tool. Check out episode 12 if you haven't already for more detail on that. This really is about moving to I statements. I am experiencing this is my need. Can you meet that need through this request? Are you able to do this? So let's take a home example. Start with the criticism. So if the criticism is this kitchen is such a mess. You are such a slob, right? That's not going to end well, that conversation. But if you're feeling that criticism in yourself and you think more carefully along the lines of this antidote, you might say something like, I feel really frustrated when you don't clean up the dishes. That's owning the I statement. That's all about you. It's not about the other person. Then the request is, could you clean them up before you go to bed? It's a request. It's not a demand. The person might have something else to offer. But that is a adult way of having the conversation. If the other person is being critical, so you're being criticized, listen for the reasonable request in there. So maybe you hear you're being told that you're thoughtless or not professional. Maybe what you're actually hearing underneath that is that they didn't get to hear how important this meeting was with this client. And so you could say something like, well, I'm really sorry, I will do better next time to give you more context, Try and see if you can meet the need behind the criticism. So that's the antidote for criticism. So talk about defensiveness. If you're feeling defensive, repeat what you heard and ask for clarification. So you could say something like, I I hear that you're saying that I don't care. Could you clarify that? The other antidote here, and this is hard, is to look for the 2% truth in what you're hearing. It's an interesting concept, 2% truth. What's the smallest bit of truth in what this person is saying at you? So for example, It could be true that you leave things until the last moment. That's true. And then that has implications for other people. It's basically defending your position, just acknowledging that's how you are and taking responsibility for the impact of that. If you notice the other person getting defensive, you could ask them what they heard you say. It's quite possible that they misunderstood or heard something different in what you were saying. And then you can take responsibility for that. We phrase it in a way that lands in a way that doesn't have them being defensive. The third horseman was contempt, and so we look at some of the antidotes for that. If the other person is acting contemptuously towards you, showing contempt towards you, the best way of doing this is to express your feelings, identify their behavior, and indicate that you want to resolve this. Again, coin in episode 12 is a great way of doing this, because it focuses on you and your experience and makes the request, that adult request. If you are feeling contempt to someone else, Just stop with the sarcasm, stop with the cynicism, the name calling, whatever way it is that you're doing, just stop because it's harming your relationship so much more than you think. I find this quite hard because there's something almost like I feel quite self-righteous when I'm in this contemptuous place because it feels like I can see the truth and no one else can. It's a victim hero place that I can go to and I think other people do too. And it's just incredibly unhelpful. To go there, nothing good comes from this place. So this is where you take responsibility, and you just start and remember the insight from the Gottman's research about contempt having a serious impact on people's health. And from this place where you feel contempt, again, it's back to I statements. I feel contempt towards you. Like I, I want to be able to respect and understand you. And notice that again, it has to do with what you want what's going on for you rather and what it is that you need rather than putting it all on the other person. And so finally, antidote for stonewalling. If you're flattered, you're gonna to need to find a way to self-soothe. That sounds kind of easy, right? The path here is to learn to recognize what this feels like. I had a relationship years ago where I realized now I was flattered a lot. And when I was flattered, I would exit the room quite suddenly, even to myself, I was kind of unexpected. Uh, All I knew is that I just couldn't cope with what was going on and I couldn't express that I couldn't cope either. That's very common in Stonewalling. And then I just exited the situations I would leave the room and go somewhere else in the house. Over time, I have come to recognize the early, early, early signs of that and then built a capacity to stay longer in conversations that I'm finding hard or to ask for a time or a breakout. And you build that capacity through practices, There's a way into practice, any sort of somatic practices, meditation, relaxation, all those practices that help soothe your nervous system will help you build a capacity to not get flooded as quickly as perhaps you are now. The other antidote to stonewalling is to look for what you need to be in place for it to feel safe to speak up. There's something stopping you speaking up. There's something in you says, fight or flight is the best response here. And the challenge here is you need to look for this in peacetime, not when you're flooded. So when I work with teams, for example, we look at designing team agreements in peacetime, ways of working with each other. We have agreements for when it gets hard. The first time we do this, people don't really get or appreciate the power of this until we've cycled through some hard conversations. I point them back to those agreements and they get it. And so what might those agreements look like? It could be, i just naming it, like, wow, this is a really hard conversation. It could be permission to call a timeout, that anyone could call a timeout when it's getting very hard. We don't get to challenge the person who calls the timeout. The timeout applies to everyone, and then you get to reconvene at a time that suits you, it as the pairing with the team, whatever that is. So these agreements are helpful for everyone to know that there are some containers in which we are operating and some kind of rules of engagement. If the other person is standing warning you, or you notice someone standing warning you in a situation, take a look at yourself and ask yourself, what am I doing that makes it feel unsafe for this person? Do I feel contempt? Have I not valued? Am I being judgmental? Am I not valuing this person? Is that, or was that, could it be perceived that way, even if it's not necessarily how I feel in that moment? So, this is where you take responsibility for what you're doing and how that impacts that other person. So, to wrap this up. And summarize where we've landed here. So, we have four signs that we're communicating in some unhealthy way. There's the four horsemen. If one's present, there'll be another one. They don't show up on their own. Remember, they read really and powerless. No one wakes up saying they're going to be critical, defensive, or contemptuous. It's just not how we are. But we all do it. And so, our task is to become more aware of ourselves and our patterns in this and to see and learn to see this in other people and help them. I understand this as well. So stay curious and find your own anecdotes. Name the horseman when you notice it. The first time I named out loud that I was getting defensive in a conversation with a logical client was life changing for me. I didn't make it their problem. Instead, I sort of coached myself out loud. I said, So I'm noticing I'm being defensive and sort of slow down a little. And this is what I need. And it felt incredibly powerful to get back power in that conversation. And final note here, when I do this exercise, learning about these four horsemen with teams and team coaching, so we aren't calling each other out. It's sort of a fun learning exercise. We have fun in the room, but the room gets very heavy. And I always plan a break after this exercise, quite a long break. There's something about stirring these things up, even by talking about them, we sort of bring them into the room. So just exploring these concepts are going to have an impact. So I expect listening to this podcast is going to have a similar impact. I don't know. I've never listened to a podcast on the topic. So if you are feeling a little heavy at the end of this podcast, just know that's normal. Be kind to yourself. Go hug the dog. Make a nice cup of tea, whatever whatever it is that soothes you. You are just perfect the way you are, and you're doing the best that you can. This is your wing woman, Catherine Stagmacy, signing off. Until next week.